electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber with Jim Cramer. We are live from the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready on this Jackson Hole Friday, so to speak, to begin trading in 30 minutes. And our roadmap, as you might expect, does start with that Fed watch. Investors are seeking those tea leaves from Chair Powell in Jackson Hole this morning, of course, about the state of the economy, inflation, and the rate policy roadmap. We're keeping an eye on shares of Gap. They're rallying so far. The company withdrew guidance due to execution challenges and uncertain macro trends, but it did say it's optimistic for the rest of the year. And we also have shares of Electronic Arts up in the pre-market on rumors out of a Swedish gaming publication. Shared uh, my reporting earlier on Squawk Box, but we'll come back to Electronic Arts as well, given that's not happening. Um, Let's start, though, uh, Jim, with uh, what we might be expected to start with, of course, the big event, uh, Fed Chair Powell going to be delivering a speech. That'll be in the next hour at the Jackson Hole Economic Symposium. Markets, of course, are going to be listening for any hints about the path forward when it comes to interest rates and the economy. We're going to bring that to you, as you might expect, live. Uh, we'll probably get Steve Leisman giving us some of the highlights of it right before as well. Any thoughts going in? Yeah, I think that they've done a remarkable job of making us all feel really gloomy and that we're dumb if we don't uh, cut back on our consumption. Uh, that hire, the people who want to hire shouldn't hire because 2023 is going to be very bad. They've been able to do that. It's actually very effective. I'm not being facetious. Mm-hmm. It's a very effective way to talk the economy down and perhaps even stop the uh, willy-nilly price increases rather than just say, you know what, we may take rates to six. It's not a Volcker method. It's the opposite. It's to basically say, look, there's going to be a storm coming to you in 2023. So why don't you dress accordingly? So what you do is you stop buying, you hunker down. And a lot of the companies that I deal with that are doing quite well have accepted the fact that they're not going to do well this year. Right. And, that, and therefore, they're it's not hiring. Go back to the storm analogy, which takes me back to Jamie Dimon and the old hurricane. Remember that week? Yeah, but the Hurricane Ruben Carter, no. Jamie, like, don't sit, don't stand, work here, all that. No, he's, he's like offering a bottle of 1942 to Newman. Okay. You're going to have to explain all the different references you just okay, made. So that, One was to about, a story about people coming about back to the office. work situation. Another was WeWork no, and Adam no, I'm Newman, that, in which he was uh, very involved. Okay, the, re- <laughs> the reason I say that is because... Say when, what? I don't when, know what you said. Okay, Jamie Dimon gives a speech one day, which says that, listen, everything's great. And then the next day he gives, gives an off-the-cuff... Everything could be horrible. This is some time back. So which Jamie Diamond? I'm just saying I don't know which Jamie Diamond. I don't know which Jamie Diamond. So I'm taking Diamond off the table. All right, I'll take him off the table. And what I'm focused on is the parade of people, including people Steve Leesman has been interviewing. Yes. Who basically have made a plethora of CEOs feel, I better cut back. My customer's going to cut back. 
23 is going to be a bad year. Well, and that's, that's what been we got. Very, that's very what we got from uh, your your man Benioff the other day. Yes. Saying the customers are more measured. Right. Exactly. Sort of playing into that idea. Yes, and I think so. It, what's interesting is uh, that. Uh, your man and Neil Bushry, whom I first met through you, <laughs> yes, was saying that this whole idea... Like everybody of, else, you've taken him and made him... I have. Man. I yes. have. Um, but measured was not in the language. No. Uh, not one bit. So what did Workday have to say? He uh, basically said that the kind of, of technology that they're offering to companies really has allowed them to be able to do more with less. Um, and what's happened is, is that you might want to bring in them if you think things are going to get tough. So why would there be such a contrast from Workday and, uh, and Salesforce? Workday you is see to Workday to, shares are going to be up, at least at this point, when they begin trading. Salesforce is to try to augment your business, and Workday is about how to preserve your business and make it work more effectively, mm-hmm. meaning if you have 10 people, you might only need nine. I mean, I've seen Workday. So Workday, you're not going to cut back in any way, or you're just going to continue to Workday allows and you increase to cut back. their services. Workday allows you to cut back. Very big win, by the way, with a company. I saw it on Peacock. It's a big company. It's an oil company. Exxon. <laughs> they got Exxon for financial pl- yeah, for planning, which is just a that's giant a, win. That's got to be a big win for no, them. I, mean, yeah, I, think for a, I think it's a benchmark win. They're doing really, really well. You know what, David? This is very similar to what Frank Slootman said to me. Snowflake, yes. which was up again. The stock was up yes, sharply. Yes, because Frank Slootman said, when times get tough, you don't want to sign on with a three-year SaaS deal, software mm-hmm. and service. You'd rather just rent SaaS. Uh, you don't want to have a big contract to be able to analyze your data. You'd rather have the data done by the engineers at Snowflake. So these two are actually playing to the Fed's hands. By the way, David, over and over again, here's something I hear. Yeah, tell and me. And it's missing. Tell missing me. maybe from the Fed. The weakness in this economy is in Silicon Valley. So many companies have not been able to come public. So many companies have come public in software and they're not doing anything that you can hire very easily. And the price of an engineer is coming down in this country. That's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Uh, It is. um, And important. Uh, It's all West Coast, so we don't know about it here. Coming back to the economy, and obviously I'm glad we hit a couple of earnings. We're going to hit more. Raphael Bostic, always worth listening to. I find very. Him, don't you think he comes across as very honest, honest and cogent. Yes, no uh, puffery. And Steve Leisman had an opportunity to speak to him, as he often does at Jackson Hole. This is the Atlanta Fed president. Take a listen to what he had to say about the economy. This is a sign that the economy is starting to respond to our policy in ways that we'd hope. But there's still a long way to go. You know, we're trying to get to 2%. And, and so we're going to continue to need to make sure our policy moves m- closer to the restrictive range, which is not in right now, to make sure that we uh, solidify this trajectory and, and, and keep us moving in the right direction. There you go. Yeah. Things look, you know, people are responding, but they haven't done enough. Anything on your radar that, that Powell could say one way or the other that will have significant impact on the market or will deviate from what, you know, participants are expecting. Yes. I think you could say that as long as we do have many more job openings than we have people, we're going to have to work very hard to close that gap. And since they can't create more people because of issues like DNA, and we're going to talk about that when we talk about the Pfizer lawsuit that, that I've worked on all morning, because uh, you can't create people, you have to tamp the desire to hire more people. Mm-hmm. And that's the way to do it. And I think he's going to make us feel like, you know what? If there aren't more people, then we should do less hiring. 
not, well, we'll keep hiring and, uh, and bid the pool of labor up. That's where you're going to run into a real problem if you do that. Now, I mean, let's say there's a place called Goldberg's in West Hampton. Fabulous. And they will tell you that the, the price... Bagel place? Yeah, well, yeah, I like real-life examples. Okay, yeah, just... just you know, you'll hear, you'll talk to them, and they'll talk about how, why did cream cheese go up $100? What propelled Kraft to raise the price of cream cheese? It was in the pandemic. I remember that. I yeah, remember you see, talk, why, talking to oh, Gary Greengrass okay, about so that. Okay, so why... Another great source. So why the heck has that not come down? See, a lot of us just feel like we, pay, we raise more for our waste collection. How come it hasn't come down? Jay Powell, Chairman Powell, has to address the idea of cream cheese and of waste collection. Now, those are metaphors, obviously. But isn't there a sense, but, Jim, that once prices hit certain, they never seem to come down? Well, that's it's just, what. It's just slowing the rate of inflation. It's not actually reversing then it. J, then Jay Powell will have lost. Mm-hmm. He doesn't win until there's a reversal. A reversal? Yes. Until there's, and the way you reverse it yeah. is by having a glut, and you have too much on hand. I was surprised that Gap stores did not have a glut. Let's but talk about Gap. Nordstrom, huge glut. You, you can go buy their stuff in, at TJX for Nordstrom fraction. Nordstrom had large inventories uh, that they're going to have to price and, through, yeah. and obviously lower price on that. And that, that there you go. Down. That's how you get lower prices. Morning, he wants gluts everywhere. This morning, Gap. Um, Shocking. Not as much the case. You can see it's responding. Pretty well. Without um, a CEO, they do much better. Yeah, apparently. Well, interesting. Um, sales were down 8.4% year over year. Uh, adjusted gross margin was down 730 basis points, Jim. But they seem to essentially be saying more or less positive things about their cost cutting initiatives and their overall views. Um, I think they're an outlier, David. They are reducing inventory levels and continue to rebalance and sort of. A new CEO came in. Uh, that may not be the right Bob Martin. Uh, this new CEO came in and changed things rather radically. Yeah. Uh, rather than bring in a lot of inventory, which they have been done willy-nilly. Uh, now, again, they don't address the threat, the th- theft issue, which is driving me crazy. You know, I was trying on a sweater at a, at a Gap recently, and a guy next to me was trying on a sweater. And I, he walked out in the sweater, and I suggested that I, I said, do you mind if I pay? And I said, what are you going to do about that person? Because well, there's nothing you can do, do about it. That has to end. Yeah, that's not. But that's not going to That's No, that's more of a law, law enforcement issue. Law. Um, you want to talk Dell at all? Oh, I was going to go Pfizer, Moderna. But Pfizer. I want to spend time on Pfizer, Moderna. Let's, let's and I'm go not Dell. sure let's that go we're Dell. going to have enough because time Dell's here. Because Dell's consumer. Dell's consumer. And Dell is going to be down. And, and Marvell is, by the way, Marvell should be up. Because that's enterprise. The stock is being read wrong. The analysts are wrong. It's not really a miss. The stock was at 55 last night. It's going to open at 53. And I think it's going to be like AMD is going to trade up. Dell, on the other hand, is consumer. And they talk directly about consumer weakness. There's only a, it's a single-digit consumer with Marvell. I did not know Dell had as much enterprise. Yeah. Well, you Dell's hit it tough. all. We got a lot to get to. Um, I want to talk to you about Moderna and Pfizer in this yes. lawsuit. I'm going to hit it. Electronic Arts. Simply put, this is not happening, but good luck and have fun. Uh, Serena's ringing the opening bell. An idol of mine. And then then we have, thanks to you, Chairman Gensler Gensler coming on. And that's going to be, I think, seminal, Frank. Yeah. Uh, That's because of news involving China. Remember, they've reached that deal. We'll have an exclusive with the chairman of the SEC right after this break. Let's get straight to the point. 
You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Some news out involving the SEC and China. SEC Chair Gary Gensler joins us now exclusively. Uh, Mr. Chairman, welcome to Squawk on the Street. What have we got? It's good to be with you, Jim and David. Well, this morning, uh, the Chinese officials from the Ministry of Finance and the China Securities Regulatory Commission uh, signed an unprecedented agreement with uh, our colleagues over at the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. And what this means for investors is this is a step along the way to ensure for compliance for the about 200 China-related companies here in the U.S. Um, it's, it's not the end of the road because still uh, the Chinese auditing firms and the Chinese officials need to comply and let American officials through the PCAOB look at the audit work papers, no redactions, but look at these work papers and ensure for compliance with our laws that protect investors. At the core, this is about investors having trust in financial statements and is also about a level playing field to ensure that the rules of the road for the U.S. issuers and for 50 other jurisdictions are also complied with uh, by Chinese issuers. So it's a step along the way. We, we hope that the Chinese will comply with the agreements that they, they support the agreements signed this morning. Uh, but the next few months will tell us uh, uh, whether that's true or as uh, my family used to say, the proof is in the pudding. We'll see what happens. All right, so Mr. Chairman, before this agreement, uh, would there be situations where you had felt and, you, and the commission had felt that the disclosure was improper uh, and that the disclosure rules in China were quite different from the disclosure rules in this country? So there is an agreement by Congress 20 years ago embedded in law called Sarbanes-Oxley. It was after a lot of big accounting failures like Enron and WorldCom and the like. Many of your viewers may not remember that. But after that, Congress said, you know what, we need to have this new organization to check on the auditing. And it's sort of in auditing the auditors and looking at this. Well, 20 years later, 52 jurisdictions around the globe allow that to happen and two do not. So Congress once again, about a year and a half ago said, got to comply, got to comply completely. And I want to thank Congress, I want to thank Senators Van Hollen and Senator Kennedy, uh, who led this uh, charge, but many others in the House, Brad Sherman and others, that they said, no, this has got to happen. And they put a clock on it. 
But yes, to answer your question, before this, for 18 or so years, we have not been able to look at the work papers, look to see whether the various auditing firms, you know, the big four auditing firms are also in China, and to look at those work papers and see whether they've properly got the support for the financials and they've got the proper internal controls and that the auditors are looking at those internal controls and documenting what's called uh, an auditor opinion. All right, so Mr. Chairman, let's use a specific example. Uh, and it's past tense, so we can do that. Uh, Luckin, uh, a, a deal, an IPO where people lost millions in this country. Would a Luckin be, uh, I don't want to say anything would be found. Fraud is very difficult to detect. But would a Luckin have been, uh, say, exposed and there would have been more risk factors had they allowed the U.S. in to look at the auditing? It's hard to tell in any one company, but our system is is that companies present their disclosure to you, the American investor, and they present it, but they have financials looked at by auditors, and the auditors attest to uh, certain things through auditing standards. It might sound a little boring, but it's really important because you have to trust the numbers. But then we have a second group, somebody looking at the auditors, and those people looking at the auditors are overseen by the SEC, and that's called the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. So in your example, Luck and Coffee was an investigation that we brought, uh, and the ECOB helped us on that several years ago, about a Chinese-related company, and the numbers, uh, as you said, uh, weren't kept up to the uh, but this is a more general thing. Can you trust the numbers? And is there a level playing field? Why would 200 Chinese companies be able to issue here in the U.S. and not comply with their laws? It's a great privilege to be in the U.S. We have the deepest, most liquid uh, capital markets. And if you want to issue here in the U.S. and tap into the investors in the U.S., comply with their laws. And I think Congress spoke with a clear voice. and. And we, um, we're effectuating the will of Congress. We've got the great support of a unanimous, bipartisan support of Congress. Uh, but again, the proof will be in the pudding. We'll have to see over the next few months uh, how uh, compliance goes. Yeah, uh, Chairman Gensler, David, you said, you've said twice the proof's in the pudding. Um, you're going to have on-the-ground inspectors in Hong Kong, or ho- inspectors on the ground in Hong Kong, as soon as mid-September. Are you going to get a sense even then uh, as to whether the Chinese are going to follow through on the promises they've made? Well, I, it's a great question. Uh, sending those inspectors in, uh, a normal inspection period can take up to three months. But we'll, we'll start to know in October and November. And uh, let me remind the public, Congress said that there has to be an annual determination, an annual determination whether there's compliance. And the first year, last December, it was a no. It was no. There was a negative determination for Hong Kong and China. This annual determination needs to be made by this December, and that's why it was so important to get people on the ground by mid-September, really looking at those work papers, and in addition, taking doing interviews with the people that actually did the audits, and uh, and. 
Thirdly, that the PCOB can select whichever firms they want to look at, whichever firms, whichever engagements, uh, based on risk management, the PCOB can select any company and take a look. But yes, David, right. we'll, we'll probably know um, by, certainly by early December, because we have to, the PCOB has to make their next annual determination. And if it's if it's thumbs down again, a, a negative determination, it may well be that these companies would have to delist. If it's a thumbs up, uh, that would be real progress. And I think, look, our U.S. capital markets has been the destination of choice, the competitive destination of choice for decades for large companies around the globe. So if there's compliance, this would keep some of those companies in our markets, but it's really important to have the compliance so investors can trust the numbers and we have a level playing field. Yeah, well, you've mentioned those roughly 200 companies, you know, obviously uh, market caps vary, but as much as a trillion to two trillion. Nonetheless, they're still under separate pressures from the Chinese government to perhaps come back home or delist. You know, what's your sense if this is successful? in terms of this tide that some U.S. investors have seen of an unwillingness of Chinese companies to list here and even those who are listed here to still choose to have another listing in Hong Kong or make it their sole listing? Look, I still think we've got the deepest, most liquid capital markets. Uh, they're not perfect. We're, we're looking at other reforms to, to enhance our capital markets, enhance our stock markets. Um, but I, I think that we're the competitive destination of choice for companies from Europe, Asia, from Africa, from South America, from Australia, around the globe. And I, I want to continue to focus on that and ensure that we're the gold standard. Um, if the Chinese authorities allow for compliance, then that will continue and company by company to make a choice. If there's not compliance, then, of course, then we'll protect the investing public and these companies will have to leave. Mr. Chairman, we are indeed the gold standard. I want to bring three companies to your attention. Magic Empire Global, symbol M-E-G-L, based in Hong Kong, August 5th. Five million shares come public at $4. Shares open at 50, close at 97, 2,325% from IPO first day. Peaks at $249. Stock is now back to seven. Starbucks, which is based in Malaysia, five million shares, $4. Opens at 27, reaches a 46 that first day, and then uh, goes back to seven instantly. And then the most egregious one, AMT Global, AMTD Global, based in Hong Kong, 16 million shares, 16. IPO price at $7.80 July 15. Stock rallies to $2,555 on August 2nd. These do not seem to me to be situations that are warranted to be able to say that we're the gold standard. And I urge you to look into how these things can happen, because to me, they are violative of the kind of standards that you want in our country. Look, Jim, we do want those standards and, and, and we have standards. Uh, support of Congress with the excellent remarkable staff at the SEC. We're a cop on the beat, and we've got disclosure standards and, and of course, uh, anti-fraud and anti-manipulation. We oversee the markets. This auditing and accounting is one piece of that. Um, again, the ch choice will be of the Chinese authorities, but if there is compliance over these next few months, 
uh, companies could remain here. If not, they they would uh, uh, need to leave. I'd be remiss if I didn't just do a little shout out to Chair uh, Erica Williams, who runs the PCOB. It's been terrific working with her staff and just a remarkable group of, of folks at the SEC and and uh, also our uh, U.S. ambassador in China, Nick Burns, who's been a really good advisor here. But uh, we'll continue on and we'll be looking out for U.S. investors and U.S. issuers because U.S. issuers want a level playing field in our market. They don't want somebody to be able to come here and not comply with the same standards and rules. Excellent. I do would hope you looked into disclosure of those three companies. Now, uh, uh, Mr. Chairman, if, I, if this weekend David Faber and I wanted to get together and create a new coin, and we went to say, I don't know, have, maybe an alpha, uh, let's call it dollar base. And we had a coin, uh, and we suggested, you know what, let's leak this coin to some of our friends, and then we'll release it, and then we'll open it 40% higher. I would regard that as not unlike Wobistics, a security that was created in the, in the Sopranos. And yet this goes on every day, 200 at a time. How are we going to continue to let this kind of activity occur where there's blatant front running and people are getting hurt and it just seems like they won't even let you interfere because Congress may actually not want you to be the cop on the beat. Look, if you and David wanted to create a coin, I would suggest to you get good lawyers who understand the securities laws and I hope those lawyers would advise you that because the public would be investing based on your and David's entrepreneurial efforts. And you probably have a website, you'd probably be marketing it in some way. That meets the test of what's called an investment contract or a security. And yes, you would need, you and David would need to register. And if there was a platform, a trading platform or an exchange that listed your token, the David Kramer token, if I might, then that that platform, that platform listing your token needs to register as an exchange. That's the plain and simple truth of it. Congress uh, passed these laws to protect the public. It's about raising money from the public. It is also about the, the trading venues, the exchanges. And we've benefited for 88 years by this regime. I think it's helped economic growth the investing public. It's also helped issuers tap into the best capital market. So I, I do ask you if you and David start that token to get good legal advice and follow the securities laws. I'm calling think, Paul Weiss at the end of this. Uh, yeah, sure. we're not doing I, I'm going to call it the Kramer coin anyway. His visage <laughs> is a lot more recognizable than mine. Uh, Chair Gensler, I want to end, end on something I brought up a couple times. It's Friday in August. Uh, clearly, you seem to be home. Um, are you guys working? You know, I'm one of these. I think people are better in the office people. I guess I agree with Jamie Dimon. I don't know where you stand on that, but is the SEC back to the office? Look, I, I think it's remarkable how well society writ large, but let me do a shout out and compliment to the SEC staff. There's 4,500 people have been able to be a cop on the beat, effective oversight of the markets uh, in these times. We're largely remote. Uh, when I came on board uh, in April of last year, we were still actually mandatory remote. We worked with uh, our bargaining unit, uh, the, with the union representatives. We moved to voluntary remote. Um, that's, that's where we are. I think there is a benefit to being in the office. I, I do think that there's a, 
there's a, a benefit, but I, just a big shout really? out to the I mean, the I, mean, I don't Black know. I just, so I just well. read Black Edge. I just read that book. Everybody's wandering everybody's office talking about enforcement actions. It's years ago, but I mean, sharing ideas, sharing where they are in investigations. Where's the, seems where's, more effective to where's me the than fireplace? Are you, asking, are you talking about the fireplace? The fireplace is behind him. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, he's yeah, moved. It is. Take the wide shot. It is. Final thought, final thought before we get to the opening bell, Chairman Gensler. Well, just I just think that it's important in this agreement that we reached today with the Chinese to keep, we're going to keep our eye on the ball as to investor protection and ensure compliance. Uh, I want to, I want to thank again uh, my colleagues at the PCOB, but I think that this is an unprecedented agreement. It's, it's, it's tough. It's very specific. It will hold them accountable. It effectuates the will of Congress. But now, really, the decisions will be on the authorities there, whether these work papers and, and inspections and investigations can continue. Um, and we'll see where it comes out in a few months. Chair Gensler, always great to have you with us. Uh, thank you. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Chairman of the SEC, Gary Gensler, joining us on that very important agreement. Uh, again, it's uh, early days. He said the proof's in the pudding. But that uh, PCOA, uh, PCAOB agreement with China on audit inspections and investigations. I hope that disclosure does allow our individual investors to do better and maybe even warn them away from deals that are suspect. Uh, you just heard the opening bell here. You can take a look at the real-time exchange. And I don't know if you saw it, but you can see it. There she is. Uh, Tennis legend, uh, and that actually is applicable here. We use it too often, perhaps. Serena Williams, founder of Serena Ventures, celebrating her uh, retirement last uh, last tournament, uh, U.S. Open, uh, and over at the Nasdaq, the National Disaster Search Dog Foundation. Um, all right, where do you want to go on the markets? I, I would like to go Twitter, if you don't mind. You would? Okay, forget that. Wait, you want me to go ja Jackson? You know what, you actually, hold on. I should probably come back and just refresh like on this electronic Andrew. arts story for a oh, second. Okay. Okay. Uh, because we didn't get to it at the top. Uh, if you're just joining us this morning, electronic arts at one point have been up as much as 12% in the early, uh, in the pre-market. On reports out of a uh, Swedish gaming uh, publication, uh, good luck, have fun. What's the, what's the name? Good luck, have fun. So for the weekend, are you saying? No, good luck, I, well, I always want you. Oh, to that's have the fun. name of the publication. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, which had which had reported that, and this is actually the quote: "Rumors have been circling circling online for a few weeks about a potential EA buyout, and they said Amazon will announce today that it has put in a formal offer to acquire Electronic Arts." Um, that, amazingly enough, is still why the stock is up as much as it is, although not nearly what it was when we. Uh, reported the following, which is, in speaking to people who are familiar with the company, who were in fact involved previously when it was in talks about a potential deal, interestingly enough, with our parent company, Comcast, uh, they're not aware of anything going on. So if something's happening, it's something they're unaware of. The idea that Amazon would launch a bear hug or an unsolicited offer for a electronic arts seems almost impossible to imagine. Uh, and. Um, you know, even though you could argue for the strategic logic, perhaps, of them bundling, one would imagine the FTC might have some issues there. All of which is to say, no one I've spoken to who would be in a position to potentially know if there was, in fact, anything going on here, believes, uh, has said that there is anything going on. Uh, David, do you said think another that way, 
nothing going on. But you can see Jim still having an impact. It's one of those days, Swedish gaming publication publishes something and gets the stock moving. Well, David, do you think there's any possibility, uh, we just had the chairman on uh, pump and dump since the last quarter was uh, the forecast was terrible? I don't, uh, I don't think so, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on in Swedish investing circles did you or in Swedish chairman, gaming circles. He didn't even think that my Bistix reference was at all funny. I just couldn't get a rise out of him. No, he's, he keeps it. Yeah, and those three companies that I mentioned have cost people fortunes. Yes, the three Chinese companies fortunes. that you mentioned. I, I did think it was interesting at the very end. I know it's a completely separate issue. They're not going back to the office. No, they're not. But did you also SEC. notice that he's saying that these nefarious coins that are created are actual securities and people should register? Yes. Or he's going to go after them? Get a good lawyer. So maybe the pump and dump period in, in um, get crypto a, get, is nearing its conclusion. Get a good lawyer. All right. You know what I want to come to you on is is this Moderna lawsuit right. uh, against Pfizer. Quite surprising. Um, because, and again, if, if you haven't heard the news, um, Moderna uh, has filed patent infringement lawsuits against both Pfizer and its partner uh, in its vaccine, BioNTech, in the U.S. District Court for the District of Massachusetts, as well as in Germany. Moderna believes Pfizer and BioNTech's COVID-19 vaccine infringes patents Moderna filed between 2010 and 2016, Jim. Um, you had told me when yes. we had an opportunity briefly during the break that you had some thoughts on this. So yes. share them. Yes. I think that, first of all, a lot of what is in place here was things that Stefan Bensel, is a frequent guest of CNBC, uh, had created between 2010 and 2016. And out of nowhere, perhaps, uh, BioNTech had the same technology. Uh, they did not cooperate at all. So it's not like uh, one took the others. Uh, notice they did not go retrospective. Uh, it is, Moderna's not trying to, uh, let's say, throw a monkey wrench into all the incredible work that they've done. Uh, and as has BioNTech Pfizer with the actual uh, pandemic. However, David, going forward, Bansell has spoken many times about personal uh, cancer vaccines, say, using mRNA. Right. And what they're trying about to, the CEO of Moderna. Yeah, yeah. And what they're trying to do is put an end to the idea that this lack of cooperation, they're not cooperating. But this stop, they are not asking for an injunction. They are hoping perhaps maybe to get a chunk of money when Pfizer continues, if they do, to abuse or use the technology that mRNA... That, oh, these things uh, mRNA technology take that, a very long time to wind through the courts if they even get there. Right. Um, but it's Obviously, Pfizer's vaccine and its antiviral Paxlovid, despite a lot of rebound uh, infections, uh, have have contributed to an enormous revenue boost for Pfizer. Right. Uh, and, you know, we've talked a lot about that, how they're using those newfound profits to potentially diversify some of their pipeline with various acquisitions. Um, is this really a threat to them? Yes, absolutely. And quite this is quite shocking, actually. I, I think there are a lot of people who felt that these are two companies uh, get along well, have a terrific relationship, share data. No, there was nothing to be shared here. And uh, from all I can tell, I, we don't have Dr. Borla sitting here, and I wish we did at the time, right now. But uh, that Moderna, uh, uh, shockingly, is concerned that they're going to lose everything they have. And I met, I met Stephanie Cornermy at the J.P. Morgan conference and talked exactly about the kind of mRNA vaccines that are, he's now ready to tee off. And I'm sure that 
he, he's concerned that BioNTech will borrow that technology. I picked a word that I thought was very neutral. Borrow. Borrow. Um, all right, you want to talk Twitter? Did you have questions for me? Uh, yes, I do. Something on your mind? I wanted, yes, because you know this court very well. I know the court well? Well, well no, that's good that you do. I'm, I'm uh, following the story closely. Okay, so at one point, I'm always trying to get a read yes. on which way a suit can go. At one point, the chancellor says, this, this is, is By the way, we shouldn't fast forward so quickly without bringing our viewers along. This is her decision based on that hearing the other day that we followed where Musk's legal team asked for voluminous data requests, and this was her response in terms of right. what she's allowing for. So what I want to ask you is, it, is sometimes, does a judge play his, the chancellor, his or her hand? Because she says defendant's data requests are absurdly broad, okay, read literally, defendant documents were requests no one in the right mind has ever tried to trillions upon trillions of data points reflecting all the data Twitter yeah. might possibly. I read that and I think she basically said Musk is like fill in the blank. Yeah. Um, you know, I think simply put, she gave the Musk team nothing. Uh, the that, hand. That, the hand. Nothing that Twitter didn't want to already give them. Right. Twitter uh, volunteered during this, their hearing that they could offer these 9,000 separate uh, right. accounts, but you know, it would take them a while and it would be work to do it, but they kind of offered it and she said, okay, give that to them. Now, that was you, it. Okay, so now, people are reading it as she's continuing to be fair, but not in any way showing a great deal of um, generosity towards the Musk side's requests. I want to do a hypothetical and I also am asking for a tad bit of imagination. You are with Musk lawyers. This comes down. Do you high five? Or do you ask that your shoelaces and ties be taken away? Because this really seems like a bitter, bitter beginning. You're not encouraged. You're not encouraged. Thank you. But I don't know where, you know, what it amounts to. At this point, listen, they're on a fishing expedition. They have been. That fishing expedition was greatly enhanced by by the whistleblower complaint. No doubt about that. It was redacted or unredacted as you want it and read it. Um, whether anything comes of it remains very much unclear, specifically right. because it's not really very specific to the argument Musk has been making about the presence of bots on the uh, platform being so much higher. And again, to refresh here, it's not just that they would have to prove that uh, that, that was um, not correct, but they would have to prove that it was fraud, that there was intentionally misled, and that it represents a material adverse effect. Um, that said, there's another line that some people are watching, which is, did they lie to regulators? Right. Did they lie to regulators? And they bring up Fresenius and Acorn. Uh, very much unclear that that be the case. I had Mazel Thompson here the other day who pointed out the FTC's most recent audit ended in May, long after uh, Mr. Zatko left the company. So we'll see, Jim. But right now, you still have to say the state of play is favoring Twitter. Well, that's why I, that's where I wanted to go. After this, I'm wondering whether there, whether someone in the, in Musk camp goes to Musk perhaps someone less fearful of this man. It says, I, we do feel that perhaps we have to open talks. The price of Twitter is far below where this started. Maybe we should get something done. Yeah. I always wonder that as well. And I'm always trying to make sure to listen for that possibility of, a, of settlement talks really advancing to some stage where it's something that is reportable. Haven't heard a thing yet. Not Doesn't yet. mean somebody okay. else won't no, and report no. it. And, no, actually, no one else. You're will certainly have it right to, to to wonder about that. It doesn't appear that they're there yet. Um, 
Could they Jim, do this? Could they walk away and then come back? That would be a total violation. Well, because the stock could go to 20. What do you mean walk away? Well, I'm just saying that Twitter's true value yeah. might be 20. Yes. Okay. And so if you, if Musk just says, you know what, we're not going to do it. What do you um, mean we're not going to do it? He'd have to have the court agree that to let him out. Well, that presumes that Musk is one of us. Well, that gets to a whole different line. Well, I think we have to have a whole different line when a guy is putting up satellites to dead zones. Amazing. Actually, let's talk about that. Um, Tima shares are down, but um, Mike Sievert and Elon Musk did show up together in Brownsville. It was a Starlink-related announcement, as we thought it might be. They're basically going to start in 2023 with the possibility of offering text messages in remote areas and work up from there. You're not getting great bandwidth, but their point is together using both Starlink and 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 uh, T-Mobile's capacity spectrum, uh, they're going to be you're going to be able to be anywhere. If you're lost in the woods in the middle of Alaska, oh, you I might was, be able to at least say where I, you I are. I thought it was amazing. And so I remember we had that Motorola phone years and years ago. I'm on the tarmac. I'm on the tarmac. It, once again, I think must surprises us just a full circle. What I'm saying is not that he walks away. I mean, more specifically, just saying if Musk actually leaks, you know what? I think the thing's worth 20 if I walk away. Then maybe well, Jim, Brent- Jim, you got to stop talking about walking away. Musk is not going to be able to walk away. If he wanted to walk away, he would have walked away already. Well, I, I, look, you and I both know the, that that's The point true. you're making is the downside for Twitter is probably far greater if, in fact, they lose in court. Right, so does that put pressure on Twitter? To say, we'll settle. Thank you. Yeah. Thank maybe you. it does. That's where I'm Because the company that's does That's all see, I really wanted. Even I, if they've done nothing wrong. I, I was wrong, not articulate enough, but that's where I'm to, to be in some form of disarray. Thank you. You want to hear Musk and Sievert talk in Brownsville, Texas? you have any interest in that or no? Yes, very you do. much. Okay. Look, these uh, T-Mobile is a gigantic. Bigger market cap than Verizon. Hands down. Take a listen. This won't have the kind of bandwidth that a Starlink terminal would have, but it, it will enable texting... It, it will enable uh, images, and if you're if you're if there aren't too many people in the in the cell zone, you could even potentially have a little bit of video. So, the, the important thing about this is that it, it means there's no dead zones anywhere in the world for your cell phone, um, and we're incredibly excited to do this with with T-Mobile. It's really great to do this. There he was, Elon Musk. Always good to see him. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Elon. Um, <laughs> want to talk about two potential takeovers. CGen first, uh, Bloomberg reporting. Wow. You know, you, you do wonder so much time's gone by. This is not a story that I've reported on at all. I got no, no you have. You have talked endlessly about how expensive CGen is. It's true. It is expensive. They did resolve negatively, but so to speak, there were two outstanding questions. They didn't go. Either one of them went their way. So you'd imagine perhaps the price they were asking for has been reduced. But now Bloomberg's saying that the talks with Merck have kind of stalled. Uh, and that stock is getting hit, Jim. Well, yeah. And look, there is great science there. They're, they kind of lack a CEO. Um, not unlike, it's funny, not unlike Gap. These companies without a CEO are doing better than the ones with CEOs. Uh, I think that, that Merck has a product hole. Yeah. That Keytruda may have reached its outer bounds. Uh, CGen's got some incredible technology that would be fit very well with Merck. At the right price. At the right price. Uh, and finally, NCR is a name that just keeps coming around. Get asked National about crash. It by a lot of risk arbs because it has been. I've, I've talked about it. I mean, the Veritas is interested in trying to take the company public. There were some reports yesterday that had NCR stock up on indicating in some way that they've oh, gotten okay. financing. Uh, that's not what I'm hearing at all. 
Um, I continue to hear, let's play it forward a few weeks. Let's look after Labor Day. Let's see how the financing markets look then. Uh, but nothing indicates that they are near putting together the financing package for what would be a large leverage buyout, Jim. So that stock was up yesterday on those reports. Doesn't mean that they've given up at all. Uh, and after Labor Day, things in the high yield market may look a bit different, but um, not what I'm hearing in mm. terms of them being able to put that together and as of yet. I know we have to go to Bob. I do want to point out Please. the star of last night was Ulta Beauty once again. And Ulta. The read, and the read-through is so definitive to our Estee Lauder that people might want to take a look at that, too. Ulta right. shares are up about 2.6%. Yeah. Very good. It was good. Yeah, it was excellent, excellent quarter. Okay. okay. All right, let's get to Bob for more on that broader market, of course, as we await Chair Powell's remarks out of Jackson Hole. Bob. Yeah, uh, David, uh, sort of a flattish open. Just take a look here. Uh, banks, flattish. Uh, industrials, flattish. Semiconductors doing a little bit better. Healthcare has been lagging recently. It's down again today. We had a nice little pre-market rally on the PCE numbers being better than expected. That's going to help the whole inflation and making progress on inflation argument. But it really hasn't translated into uh, the market once it opened. Uh, China tech stocks are all up today. Great to see Gary Gensler on the air. Uh, with uh, Jim and David here talking about that agreement between U.S. and China regulators. We've got nice moves up in some of these China tech stocks today. Alibaba's had a great run the last two or three days. It was 88 two or three days ago. It's 102 today. So these stocks have definitely uh, moved in reaction uh, to that. As for Jay Powell, the question is, it's very simple. What would he say that makes stocks go down and what would he say that makes stocks go up? People have been more focused on what it'll say to go down, so I'll deal with that here right now. I think any implication that the terminal Fed funds rate would be above what the market expects, it's currently 3.5%. If he clearly implies we're going to go 100 basis points, for example, which no one is expecting uh, in September, or uh, we're going to even be more aggressive, or we don't care uh, about uh, uh, a recession, we're going to fight inflation no matter what it takes. Uh, if we have a recession, then so be it, or if he's aggressive on that. Uh, the other side of the coin is what would make stocks move up if Powell uh, gave a speech, when he gives a speech. Uh, and I think people would be focusing on any signs that they're very sensitive to a severe downturn uh, at all. I'm possibly ending the, the rate hike program this year and, and any reference to making substantial progress on inflation. And that's why we rallied pre-open, because the PCE numbers were better than anticipated. Unfortunately, you see the markets had this big rally recently in anticipation of exactly what you're seeing right here. So the S&P is up 15% since the June bottom. Valuations have gotten very rich. They were at 16 times forward, which is quite reasonable given the market situation. Now we're at 18.1. That's getting towards rich territory. And earnings are holding up fine for 2022. They were 9.5% uh, July 1st. Now it's 7.9%. All right, that's down, but it's still really nicely on the upside. So David Powell's in a tough spot. It's, it's reasonable to assume the Fed officials aren't delighted to see this big valuation reset for the stock market. Uh, and they want to dampen those expectations because we know why it's happening. Uh, and yet they can't dampen the expectations too much. It's a very fine line to hoe here. And he can't really change the rules too much in the middle without getting some kind of severe reaction one way or the other. David, back to you. Bob, thank you, Bob Sonny, uh, leaving us in a good place to actually take a look at the bond market as well before we do head to break, of course, and ahead of uh, Chair Powell's remarks in Jackson Hole. You know, we've seen that move up and yield in the uh, in the tenure this week, Jim, and uh, we're at 3.045. Obviously, the two-year note is still well above for the yield of uh, 3.372 
5%. Not bad for a CD rate if you want to get one. No, and I did. I bought some, a lot of two and three year. Paper. Did you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all right. We're back right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Well, it is official, the PCAOB agreement with China on audit inspections and investigations. You heard from Chair uh, Gensler of the SEC, and look at the week, because there had been, of course, some advanced reporting about the possibility. Look at the week those Chinese good stocks... Good call by J.P. Morgan to yeah, buy those. I've had. Uh, Palo Alto Networks also having a good week. We're back after this. All right, you got any further thoughts as yeah. we uh, head into Powell? Okay, uh, the chairman should say the following. We're not done until you're paying less for cream cheese in this country. <laughs> Specifically, what he needs to say is we're going to break the cycle. And you can hear what, what level we have to take rates or how much we have to talk down. But we're going to break the cycle of inflation. And if you bet against us, you're going to be sorely wrong. That's what he needs to say. That's my gift to him. All right. Cream cheese is the focus. Cream cheese. I, I can find that out. I just got to walk around the corner I and work ask today. Gary I work what's today. going on with cream cheese, and he'll I, let me know. I work today because of you, my friend. I, and I am very happy. And are we going to get that coin together and register, or we just give it to the exchange and flip I, it? You call it the Kramer coin. I'll be your silent partner, like I normally am. Love you, and I'll see you Monday. All right, good. Have a great weekend. All right, we got to go. We come back, of course. Uh, it's the event of, really, investors around the globe have been waiting for. All right. It's that uh, speech from Chair Powell. Don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.